bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, you have called us to faith. By the power of your word and the Holy Spirit, working that faith into our hearts and into our lives. You have built us on the solid foundation of our Savior. And so, Lord, in the midst of the storms that we face, we pray that you would remind us each and every day of who we are as your children, and that you have called us to let the light of Christ shine forth in our hearts and in our lives. Be with us in all things and through all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning to all of you. Nick, I should have just told you you're on this morning. Welcome. We've all heard, I believe, this gospel lesson before from the 16th chapter of St. Matthew, where Jesus has gathered with his disciples in the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asks them that important question, who do people say that I am? We're in the world. The disciples were in the world. Jesus has been, if you will, going from place to place, wandering around, touching the lives of people with the healing gospel. He's fed thousands. He's made the blind to see and the lame to walk. He's even raised the dead. So what do people think? Who do people say that I am? We know the answers from Scripture here. Well, some think that you're John the Baptist, and others think that maybe you're Elijah who's come again, or maybe one of the other prophets. That's what they were saying then. What do people in our world say today? I don't think that they're necessarily pointing to John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the other prophets. If you ask people who they think Jesus is today, well, you might get an answer like this. Well, he's just fake. There's nothing real about him. It's an old wives' tale, or, or maybe it's just a myth. And you should dump the myth. Why don't they know the reality of who Jesus is? And Carrie and Stinky added a little bit because we don't tell we make an assumption somehow that everybody knows who Jesus is that everybody knows how he was born and what he came to teach and, and, and even how he died and rose again we make that assumption that everybody's heard the story and yet there are so many who have not they might even know some of the details of his lives, but they don't know the most important truths about Jesus. That he died on a cross for them. And that they are loved just the way they are. The misconceptions out there that people have are somewhere along the lines of, well, if I believe in Jesus, then, then you know, well, he's not going to like me or love me because of my life and the way that I am. 
We've all even heard some of the excuses from people around us in our lives. Well, you know, if I went to church, the walls would cave in. Or how do I know he's real? The objections that Satan puts into the hearts and the lives and even into the mouths of people are always going to be there. And the challenge for us is likewise always going to be in front of us. To live the gospel and to teach and to preach the gospel in a way that people know who Jesus Christ truly is. And that's where the question comes back to us as his disciples. But who do you say that I am? And who do we say that Jesus is? Well, Peter got it right. He blurted it out in a very powerful way. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we believe that. But do we live it? Do we trust it? Do we shout it? Or do we just keep it quiet? You see, what what Peter just said was so vitally important. So vitally important that that what Jesus says is, is upon this rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church. So it's the rock. Some people get this wrong all the time. They they look at this text and they say, uh, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. What's the rock? Some people look at it and say, well, the rock is Peter. Because Jesus renamed him from Simon Barjona to, to Peter. In the Greek, Petros. There's only a problem here, you see. The form of the word used in the Greek when he applies it to Peter doesn't really mean rock or rocky, like, you know, big and tough. It means pebble. Little rock. I'm not thinking that Jesus would build his church on a little pebble. You see, the rock is exactly what Jesus has been teaching it's the truth of who he is. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the rock, the truth. And it's the faith that we have in that truth. That this is no ordinary teacher, no ordinary rabbi, no mere man coming out of Nazareth, but rather he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah who sent into the world by God himself. And we might go as far to say as 
that this rock is not just the confession of Peter that Christ is who he is, but rather that the rock is Christ himself. And it's on Christ himself that we build our lives, our hope. He's our solid foundation. He is the place where we stand to withstand the storms of this world. And when we stand in Christ, he reminds us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When we stand on Christ in our lives, there is not a thing in this world that can destroy our faith. When we are focused on Christ and in his word, when we fellowship with one another, when we are a people of prayer, and when we are extending the love of Christ to the world around us, the devil and this world cannot and will not prevail. In fact, when we stand on Christ, he reminds us that we literally hold the keys to the kingdom. He tells his disciples, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, it is the power to forgive sins, to point people to the cross of Jesus Christ, and to remind them of his love, that he died for the sins of the whole world, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day. Christ is risen. Alleluia. And the reason we can say that is because of the promises fulfilled in him through God the Father. Jesus in his love goes to a cross and he dies in our place. And he doesn't say, he doesn't say it this way. Gabe? You got to get your life together and start doing it the right way before this love is yours. He doesn't say, Jerry, get your act together before I die for you. Carl, wear something that's a little less loud. And then maybe my death will mean something. He doesn't say join the choir or teach Sunday school or make sure you're in church every Sunday uh, in person or online before all of this works. He says, while you are still sinners, you haven't got your act together. You're not living right. You're not doing it right. You're not saying it right. But I still died for you because I love you. That's the message the world needs to hear.
that God's love is an unconditional love. That Christ died for the sins of the whole world, for my sins, for your sins, for the sins of those out there in this world who don't even know Christ. And we are to tell them so that we can share with them those powerful words. Those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall not perish, but have everlasting life because their sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. He died for the sins of the whole world, and so we are saved. We have salvation here and now. So what do we do with our salvation? Because you see, we are not saved to be silent. We're not saved to hold it inside of us in our hearts and to keep it locked up. We are saved so that we can share the gift with the world. In this world, as we look around today, desperately needs to hear it. We need to give people a hope that passes all of our human understanding and a peace that fills them with joy. We need to have people focus so, not so much on what's going on in the world around them, but rather on what happened on a cross 2,000 years ago for them. We need to have people know that they are loved by Jesus. Now, the truth is that Peter gets it right. But we stop the gospel a little early. Because what we're going to hear is that Peter, out of the next breath, sticks his foot in his mouth. And messes up. But as... As Paul Harvey used to say, that's the rest of the story, and you're going to have to wait till next week. You might say that Peter gets off to a little bit of a rocky start. And so do we sometimes when we share our faith. It's nerve wracking, it can cause some anxiety and some fear. But remember that Christ is with us. When you have that opportunity to share the faith and the fear starts to come and you're not quite sure what to do, go back about three weeks in our lessons and remember when Peter started to sink, what did he say? Lord, help me. It's a simple prayer. When we find ourselves in that situation and we know we should say something about Jesus, start out with that prayer, Lord, help me. You are with me. I know you're here. Grab my hand and help my mouth to talk. Help me not to be silent, 
but rather to speak the simple truth of your love. Help me to speak the words and to not be silent. Help me to share who you are with the world. Help me to stand in truth and to walk by faith. And remind me, remind me not to be silent. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.